Good morning, free for all Friday. And it is a beautiful day in Flagler County, Florida. Best location in the nation. Great place to live, right? Jay Gardner, you've been here. Uh, I'm excited to be here. You were just a child when you moved here. No, I was 18 years old, but that was 45 years ago, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) Well, Jay is our uh, property appraiser here in Flagler County. And um, we're going to find out about your property. How is it appraised? And what does all that mean, and uh, where do the, the taxes get to? We've also got our uh, Flagler County Commissioner, David Sullivan. Back Good morning. From, back from Tallahassee. Very cold Tallahassee, 25 degrees there uh, Wednesday morning. So mm. um, you're out there with your hand out <laughs> trying to get some money for us here in Flagler County. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Right. Okay, and of course, Brian McMillan. And our, Good morning. Our, uh, not the editor, I want to say that, but now publisher owner of the right. uh, Palm Coast Observer. Um, and uh, big headline, the word, we're going to talk about your taxes, we're going to talk about the county, we're going to talk about growth, we're going to talk about a lot of things here. Um, but of course, the big word of the week is what? Moratorium. Okay. All right. And right on the headline, moratorium. I talked with uh, some business people in St. John's County yesterday who said, yeah, I hear you have a building moratorium going on down there. And I'm like, no, we don't. So anyway. It's hard. Um, when that word starts moving around, it goes quickly. It spreads quickly. Well, let's go to the phone here. Teresa Carly Pontieri, our city councilwoman, who <clears throat> uttered the word moratorium. Did you? Or how did that all blow up? Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, I actually did not utter the word moratorium. Um, I called it a 90-day pause for this very reason. I did not want to cause the uproar and exaggeration that has come with this very short pause in infill lot building. So what's the difference between a moratorium and a pause? Well, again, I think, you know, semantics are important. And when you start to throw around the word moratorium, you know, it, it does have an, a naturally negative connotation to it, but my intent was to keep this as brief as possible. And as I stated numerous times, this doesn't have to be a set in stone 90 day pause. It was really just let's make sure we've got our technical manual, our land development code um, in order so that we're not, you know, contradicting the building code where there's no internal ambiguities or contradictions between what builders have to follow. And we're doing everything the right way. And if that gets done in 30 days, great, pause over. If it, gets, if it takes 45, 60 days, well, then that's what it takes. But I think it's really important that we do things the right way and that more people are not being harmed in the meantime. And, and that was the reason for the motion that I made. I think, um, you know, with the, and it didn't get a second, so it wasn't really rejected. It never got a chance to get rejected. Um, are you disappointed with that? Or, I mean, can't we just do what we would do even if there was a pause? Hopefully, if City Hall is all over this and, um, and doing something about it without a pause. Well, you know, I would hope that, too. The problem is when this initially became, um, I would say, bigger in scope back in October and November, I pleaded with staff from the dais. And I, you know, I, I pleaded with the HBA, too. Please, guys, get together, move quickly on this. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, you know, I know things in government specifically tend to kind of drag their feet and, and take a little bit of a long time. But um, we're dealing with people's lives. We're dealing with people's most important investment that most people make. Um, and, and for me, until I made the motion, it didn't feel like there was really any sense of urgency. So the intent was really to light a fire under everybody's backside and say, let's get this done. I don't want to stop building, um, you know, but I want to make sure we're doing it right. Let's not do things haphazardly. Let's do it right. Let's keep people protected. And if a pause in building is what it's going to take in order to kind of light that fire, then that's what it takes. So um, we're talking infill lots, and and your your idea was to pause the just um, infill lot construction not a not a sweeping uh moratorium uh, citywide right correct and even further it was only for new infill lot builds where applications or permits for you know the, the building residential permits had not even been issued so if you already had a permit issued if you were already underway i didn't want to hurt the building community and make them stop or make them dig up anything that they've already done it was specifically on new unapplied for infill lots, which is as narrow in scope as I could possibly think to make it, which was my goal. How did, um, 
how do we get to where we are? It seems like a pretty basic fundamental thing that, um, okay, these houses were built and they had an empty lot next to them and all of a sudden, um, you know, can't skinny dip in your pool anymore because you got a neighbor that can see <laughs> over your six-foot fence and, uh, and water running off of their property onto yours. That's, it seems like a, a fundamental um, function of government to keep that from happening. So how do we get to where we are? Well, you know, I think, so, you know, we have our, our task force that's been set up, and we are looking at all of these properties that, that you know, for people who have reached out to us and told us that they're experiencing this flooding, and we're addressing them on a case-by-case basis. So it really does vary from lot to lot, but I think that part of the problem is, as our engineers and our, our um, staff have advised, a lot of the current lots that were already in existence were draining <clears throat> onto those infill lots. Um, And so there could have been an issue where their property actually wasn't draining correctly. But then when you put the new infill lots in and they're built up higher next to homes that have been here for, you know, some 10, 15 years. Now, there's some that have only been there for four or five years. So they're in a little bit of a different situation. But when you build up new homes higher and next to older homes that because we live in Florida on a water, very delicate water table, um, that have, you know, just naturally lowered, you're going to, water flows downhill. I mean, that's what's going to happen. But the, the problem is the code says that the new build has to drain on its own property. So I don't know that we've been diligent enough um, in follow, following up and making sure that the plans that were put in place for the new builds are, in fact, doing what they said they were supposed to do, i.e. draining on their own properties rather than draining onto the neighboring properties. So that, that's, that does re- raise an interesting question. Just like you said, some of the current homeowners, their property may be draining incorrectly also. I mean, onto the new lots. So, like, does that also need to be fixed somehow? They could be. Now, that's why we're doing, that's why we have instructed staff to look at these on a case-by-case basis and not just lump everybody together. Because if we go out to the properties and we see that, yes, there could be, and it could be a combination, you know, the new build and the the older property, both not draining incorrectly, could just be the perfect storm, no pun intended, um, and compounding an issue. So it, it truly is your quintessential case-by-case basis or, or, you know, we have to go out there and and analyze these truly one by one to figure out how we can fix the problem. And if it's something that the new build needs to fix within its, you know, within its plans or within its build, then, then it's incumbent upon them per our code to get that done. And we can enforce our code against them to make them fix the inadequacies with their plan as it's come into practice. Well, I don't think anybody wants to move into a neighborhood like, you know, they've done everything right, the builder did everything right, the zoning of permits and, and everything's good, and then all your neighbors hate you because you're like king of the hill with uh, two neighbors on both sides of you that are, uh, you know, way below the, the level of your home. And so that also um, creates, you know, I don't think people want to do that. But also what I heard you say was, that the uh, the victim could also be part of the problem here with their um, existing lot that um, had been draining onto the neighbor lot that um, was vacant. Well, I don't want to say the victim could be part of the problem. I think I think you know more so than that. It, it probably wasn't something that they had contemplated before. So you know, when people buy a home next to an empty infill lot, they they likely don't think to themselves man, I really need to make sure that whenever somebody else comes and moves in that my water is draining onto my property. It probably wasn't something that was contemplated. And from my understanding, a lot of properties, when they were built years and years ago, um, we didn't really have a, a strong code in place to make sure that was happening. So, yeah, you've had people for years who just never really knew it could be a problem. And now all of a sudden they're faced with having to fix it. And it's expensive. It's thousands of dollars. But it's not their fault. They didn't know. So, you know, we really have to figure out how we can protect people that need to be protected. You know, don't, like I said, I don't want to stop development, but it needs to be responsible development. And we need to make sure that we are crossing our T's and dotting our I's in the right way, rather than trying to rush things through in the interest of continuing to build at all costs. Was it an overreaction? I know uh, Greg Blose, our chamber dude, you know, he, he gets up there and goes, oh, my God, you know, we got all these people. It's embarrassing and humiliating. And then 
Um, but that's his job as the chamber to protect builders and to protect businesses in the financial community. Was it an overreaction or is it good that we kind of said, made it clear that we're not going to tolerate a moratorium or the word or a pause or anything? So I do think there was a very harsh overreaction to this, and I think that it's actually made it worse than it had to have been, especially when we're looking at, you know, you talk about people in St. John's, you know, saying, oh, I heard you guys have a moratorium. Well, if if the original um, proposal were not blown out of proportion, then that would not be the rumor. Um, if people were responsible in what they were saying um, and, and, and pointing out that, you know, between October 1st of 2023 and December 31st of 2023, we only had 294 new infill lot bills. So if you think about that, with a 45-day pause, we're looking at what may be affecting 150 lots. Um, you know, it, it really did not have to go in this direction. And so it's unfortunate that kind of the people who have um, – who have a voice in our community didn't use that voice to portray more factual information and really did blow this out of proportion and exaggerate, I think unnecessarily. All right, Brian, I, th- I think it shows one thing that um, the issue of growth, you know, and the effect of new growth on current residents is just a very, um, very sensitive, and a, it's just a huge issue for everybody, um, whether it's a small, you know, it, whether it's a group of 150 people or, you know, a whole of the city that could be impacted by a big development. Um, so I think it just shows that, you know, this is something that everybody cares a lot about. And it sometimes it's symbolic. It's like, if they're going to let this one builder do this one thing on this one property, it kind of, people think of it as like, um, I mean, you could say one that's blown out of proportion, but another thing is that it's symbolic of attitudes of government and builders, you know, vice versa, whichever one you seem to, you know, favor at that time. All right. Hey, uh, Jay Gardner, you're a wise man here, property, real estate values and everything. You've, you've been following what's going on with this, with the city of Palm Coast. What's your, what's your take on it? What's the answer? Grading. I mean, that's the one word, because I mean, that is the problem. All the lots in Palm Coast, and not all of them, but 90-something percent of them, starts in the backyard and separates, goes between the two houses out to the swale out front. There's, you know, and my dad, civil engineer, was with ITT, taught me that stuff flows downhill. So you have to grade. It's not about how high up that house next door is. Because you can build the slab up higher. It doesn't hurt anything because a roof sheds the same amount of water. But when it hits the ground, where's the ground level? If you mm-hmm. add 50 truckloads of dirt in between the two houses on your side, now it drops off. There's a wall dropping off at this property line. Yeah, the water's going to go over there and flow uh, maybe onto the other guy's lot. So you have to grade it. And, and as, you know... Miss Pontieri said, you know, it may cost some money to do that. You got with the bobcat out there and resodding and all that stuff. But, you know, it, it needs to be graded properly when they start. And, you know, Palm Coast is 15, 20 years ago, I remember someone saying water was coming in the wall of their house. Well, the house either was permitted wrong, the slab was too low, or either the ground's too high and it sloped to the house. If you let water come up against a house, concrete's porous. You know, the walls, it'll let it in. And so it need, there needs to be some consideration that the grading's done properly. And, of course, that probably falls back on the city, you know, when they're approving things. And the builders should be doing that. And I think the intent probably is. But, you know, uh, I read the other day or something, it's like 160 people have flooded. Well, that's not true. I don't believe that for a second, that 160 people have water in their house because I'd be hearing from them. Now, water can leach into a wall, but is there really – this isn't like um, Irma where there really was people with, you know, a foot and a half, two foot of water in their house. So I don't, I don't know if it's somewhat, you know, the social media thing. You know, everyone gets to talk about stuff, and then you see a picture of water, and oh, my God. And, but, I mean, is there problems? Yes. And it, to me, grading. You said, what, how do you fix it? I mean, grading is the only – thing I can think of, and that's what it's supposed to be doing, is flowing to the swale out front. Now, 
Palm Coast needs to make sure their swell system works. And I know there's a lot of people mad about that all the time. That's also a grading issue, right? Uh, well, yeah, and it's not an easy one because they've got a very large system. And it's and it's been in place for a long time. So, like, the grading doesn't last forever. you got to well, re no. regrade it, which and is another think, part of the problem. I think Palm Coast is pretty good about working on it, but some of the areas are just problematic. I mean, this is a huge subdivision that was all done at one time, and, you know, I, I don't envy them trying to keep up with it, but, I mean— you know, they, they do work on it all the time, and, you know, you got to give them credit. But, I mean, a, a house that's higher up in the air, a house, and say their yard, doesn't cause a problem. I mean, that roof literally sheds the same amount of water, whether it's six inches higher or not. You know, it may give an effect when you look at it, mm -hmm. but now you got to look at the dirt leaving the house and what it does to the water. And as you said, maybe prior to that, the people were draining on the lot just because there was nothing there. Well, right. they don't get to do that anymore, so it's got to go out to the street and jump in the swale. All right. Councilwoman Teresa Pontieri, uh, appreciate the conversation this morning. Give you yeah. a little bit more more chance to explain yourself and your thoughts. Um, then. Yeah, David, I, I really appreciate it. And if I can, just really quickly, because I, I, I do want to respond to what Brian said, because I think he made a really good point. And I, and I don't, you know, I don't want to not recognize that there is, um, there's a lot of really negative feeling about <clears throat> the exponential growth that's going on in Palm Coast. Um, and it's, the residents just feel like they're kind of being hit from all sides. You know, we've got raising costs, we've got the potential to raise utility fees coming up soon, we've got infrastructure needs, and a lot of it is because of the extreme amount of growth. So when you add something like this to it, it's like more salt in the wound. And so I think a lot of our residents are just really feeling it from all sides right now, and they feel like because of the exponential growth and development that's going on, they're not being listened to, and they're almost feeling like they're, they're forgotten about. And so I think it's incumbent upon us to remind them that we represent them, that they're not forgotten about, and that, you know, there's a cost of development that our ta current taxpayers shouldn't be subsidizing, that the that the developers and that the builders should really be responsible for. And so they, I think our homeowners just really want to feel like we haven't forgotten that. And so to Brian's point, you know, I think that this is just one more of those issues that's kind of compiled on top of all of these other things. All right. But is it really exponential growth? And uh, Jay Gardner's got some uh, information on that. Is it more of a perception? Is that perception overblown as well with things we're talking about? Even the word flooding. Um, just because you have some water sitting there, we throw the word flooding on it. So maybe, you know, putting things into perspective in that. Anyway, it's all good conversation. Thank you, Teresa, very much for being on with us today. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good weekend. Is it really? Jay Gardner says back in the day it was exponential growth, and we're really not having exponential growth right now. We'll uh, let him talk about that. Also, we're going to wake up Commissioner Dave Sullivan. Back from a cold Tallahassee, and uh, he's uh, hopefully bringing back millions of dollars for us here in Flagler County. We'll be right back. This is attorney Michael Politis. Did you know the insurance company's only goal is to make money? Of course you did. Our goal is to get justice for the client. An insurance company that deals directly with you is going to tell you why you don't have a case, why it's worth no money, or try to get you to settle it fast. I will dot your I's and cross your T's and aggressively and effectively deal with the insurance company. Politis and Matavina, thejusticeattorneys.com, offices in Port Orange, Palm Coast, Orange City, and Orange. Hi folks, Bill Gallagher with SolarFit here. Have you ever thought about utilizing solar power for your home or business? Well, there's never been a better time to plug into the sun and stop renting electricity. How would you like to let your roof start paying you each month? Give us a call at 445-7606. That's 445-7606. Or visit us at solarfit.com and set yourself free. SolarFit your life and set yourself free with the sun's free energy. Have a fundraiser or charity event? They can help. The Craig Flagler Palms Community Bulletin Board tells your story to thousands of people every day. Send all the details to your upcoming event to community at flaglerbroadcasting.com. 928 Free For All Friday. We've got a growing community. Toby Tobin has got a great story. He just put out, he published it, copied it, put it on our website, but... um. I'm not pretending I wrote it or anything. But anyway, it's uh, based on the case of Florida's growth, as uh, he used the word, inco incontrovertible. 
Brian. You don't use that word every day. You can't you can't even argue about it. Oh, there we go. I so. can't use any words without my mic on. <laughs> anyway, um, it's basically says we can't afford. Well, some people can, but a lot of people can't afford to live in Florida without the growth because these people moving in are the ones paying um, a, a lot of our taxes that we are getting breaks on with homestead exemption and save our homes. Right, Jay? Absolutely. Um, you know, we all have voters cards in our wallets, and we voted for these things, which. When the market changes rapidly, like it has recently, it shows up. In other words, if you were to buy my house from me and you just got here from New Jersey, the bill would be about twice what I'm paying because of the the 3% cap. Mm -hmm. Um, So the new people get whacked with all this stuff. That's a professional real estate term, whack. (laughs) Um, But at the end of the day, the people that have been here, their bills don't really change much. And, and so they're not complaining. They're happy. But the new people are the ones that show up at the public meetings because their bills are so much higher. And they go, well, why come their bills so much less than mine? Yeah. You got a guy paying 1500 The next guy buys the house. He's paying five or $6,000. They notice. So the longer you're here, the better the value for living in Florida, too, well, as your house home value would go up, assuming that. Well, when the values go up rapidly, yes, mm-hmm. it makes that difference. Well, it's like sitting next to the guy on the airplane, and you go, hey, how much did you pay for your seat? And he's like, you know, yeah, 100 bucks. What? I paid 300 You know, we're getting used to um, everything isn't fair, and it's... Um, <laughs> Speaking of everything not fair, um, let's go to Dave Sullivan over here. Um, you've got, um, we're going to get some good sound bites from you. You were off to Tallahassee. The legislative session is happening right now. And um, so uh, they, how, what did it happen? We send you off to Tallahassee and you're supposed to come back with bags of cash? Sound bite well, number one. Here we go. Yeah, there we go. Let's All hear right. it. So, <laughs> but uh, just, just to put this in perspective, if you give me just a couple of minutes, last uh, fall, uh, we got to get, the county got together with the cities and a bunch of other people who have ideas about what they'd like the legislature to do in fiscal year 24. And if you remember, Travis Hudson and Paul Renner came, we had a meeting, and out of that meeting came a, a book that it was c- kind of a combination of all the various uh, options in the way of funding priorities and policy priorities that we'd like to see happen. Um, that gets thrown into the mix. Remember, there are 67 counties out there. They all have their desires, so on and so forth. So as we get closer to the session, they get culled down. And um, where we are now, we were up there. Uh, we didn't just go up for photo opportunities. We actually went up to try and get some things done. And then we were in combination with the Florida Association of Counties, Small County Coalition, uh, the various cabinet officials briefed uh, brief our group that was up there. And then specifically, I gave you a card, you can't, people can't see it, where on our funding priorities, not our um, policy priorities, we, we were down to about eight or nine uh, on that card. When we went in to see uh, Travis and Paul Renner, Travis, our Senate rep, and Paul, of course, uh, Speaker of the House, um, they want prioritized. I said, is, is the list prioritized? So when we were up there, we, we said if, if you want the top three, the top three items, and they're all expensive, but I'll just maybe quickly go over those. And these require funding, but we think they're, they're very valid things for the, for the county in general. The first one being septic to sewer conversion and water treatment expansion. Doesn't sound like much. And you'll notice on our card now, we've got a, when you put all those priorities up there, if you don't get a bill assigned to it, it's not going to happen. And then if you'll notice on all of our funding priorities, a House bill and a Senate bill, have been assigned. So that means that at least it got through that first first cut. There are about a thousand of those now. And out of those, you'll probably get 200 that actually get to the floor for a final vote. And then some of them will get uh, accepted. And then the governor gets one last shot at them. So it's, it's, a, it's, a long, uh, it's a long process. But that first one is important because one of the things we were just talking about is we need businesses to come in to the county and defray some of that cost and, and, and for taxes and everything else. So that first item, what that does is it will bring uh, water and sewer across the south end of Route 1. Uh, and the western side of Route 1 is a good place for business. So 
there's some money involved in making that happen. We'll we'll do it with. Are you our, talking about like around Favoretta, that right? Area? In that area, north of the uh, I-95 Route One interchange, okay. as you come north, that area is an area where business uh, can develop. So, but but there's no water and sewer on the west side of the road. So this is probably ten million dollars to do that. And so that's that's our number one priority because we think that'll help the business community and the, t- the overall tax system. Okay. In the By county. the way, your card I posted it on our WNZF Facebook page along with your picture and Jay Gardner's picture. Okay. So um, you can go I'm only going to do three. Page. Okay. The the next one is the Regional Conservation and Ecotourism Education Center. That kind of ties in. Remember the old bridge that we got uh, we got built. By the way, the name of that bridge now is the Flagler Greenways Pedestrian Bridge. And by the way, we we received. Two orders, uh, two two honors for it. One by the Northeast Florida Regional Council, and one by the State Engineering uh, Agency, saying it was, you know, one of the best best things done this year. So we can't call it the bridge to the future anymore. No, no, we're going to call it the Flagler Greenways Pedestrian Bridge. Now, that second priority is to build the um, Echo Tourism Center on 100, and it all kind of ties in to uh, a new park there, Bulow, and really the future. I mean, the people in Flagler Beach would like people to have some alternatives other than going to the beach, and that's that's that. So that's the second priority. And Paul Renner has been down here in person and been briefed on that in detail uh, since uh, since since uh, the new year. Okay. Uh, uh, and then the, the final one, you skip a couple, is the, and this is interesting, the Multipurpose Emergency Preparedness Project Emergency Shelter. And that's out at the fairgrounds. You know where we have Cattleman's Hall there now? Sure. The idea is one of the things that's in the overall priorities for the state and local is, you know, when there's a hurricane coming or something like that, we, we tie up the schools with, with, with having centers where the people can go uh, to get away from the storm. The idea of this uh, community center would be multi-purpose. That building is beginning to get old, it's old Cattleman's Hall. And this is to replace that with a modern facility We'll lease it. It's already leased 180 days a year as it is now. But this is to improve the overall being out there, provide a, an upgraded uh, facility for, for people to use. Because right now it's a metal building. Right. This will right. have good bathrooms. On the same, be on the same footprint or be bigger? Pretty much on the same footprint, there, okay. same, same location. And the idea there is to provide an all-purpose building. Remember when COVID was on, we used that as the place to get your vaccine done. Um, lots of organizations use that building. It's time to upgrade it. And, the, and, and one of the big things is that thing about we don't want to take schools down in anticipation of, of a hurricane. Then it doesn't come. And, you know, we've, 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 we've locked up the school. So this will be a, a permanent location where we know we can we can do other priorities and other policies. But do, do they give you an indication when you when you go there and you talk about these? Are they um, can you read body language? Like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, I like this or <laughs> I think Absolutely. that sucks. You know? Absolutely. No, that's why uh, they were kind of both Travis and Paul were trying to force us. By the way, Paul Renner's Speaker of the House office is a thing of beauty. If you haven't been up to the fourth floor of the Capitol, it's like a whole floor, half a floor. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful Have office. you been invited, Brian? I haven't. No, I mean, I to try to were you invited to see <laughs> no. this beautiful office? I need to try to invite myself. No, no. So we're in there. He has a nice place to sit down and talk. But anyway, uh, both Travis and, 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 and Paul were kind of wanting us, even though this is an iterative process. You know, we start back here. We have 60 or 70 people come in and want, want things. The city wants things. All the counties want things. We, we, we cull it down, we get, we get bill numbers associated with them, and when we go in there, they finally say, so the top three we have is, is that number one on there, the septic to sewer, regional conservation echo center, and you go down to fifth one, multi-purpose emergency preparedness center. So, so we've culled it down. In other words, that's the way you get something done. In other mm-hmm. words, so we know at this point in time, Maybe some of the others will get done too, but we know that we pretty much have Travis's and Paul's support, which is important, on those uh, three items. We also heard from the cabinet officials come in and brief the whole group, and um, it was really cold. And one thing I thought Paul uh, said to us, oh, it's not so cold today. It's only 25 degrees. I was just out in Iowa supporting uh, Ron DeSantis. It was a lot colder than that, so don't <laughs> complain about the weather here. I see you have your herringbone coat on today. You do look wintry. I do, oh. I do, I do. Uh, Brian, Brian, you had something? Well, when I looked, you, you gave me a copy of this card, too, right. and one of the items on here is beach restoration slash coastal stabilization. That's been a pretty big news item for, you know, a yes, long, long it, time. So why didn't that, why isn't that one of the top three priorities over? Because we were kind of, 
Brian, because we were okay. kind of forced by Paul and Travis, and there were three of us up there. Uh, well, Heidi was up there and, and Holly, who does our coordination, but uh, Leon Pennington and, and our chairman, Andy Dance, were there. So we were kind of pushed to a point where they want some idea on priority, and, and a couple of these have changed in priority. The, the, the beach restoration and all that have not changed, but that's an ongoing thing. We have re requirements in with, you know, with a whole bunch of, of, of agencies and everything. In fact, I think we just signed a contract yesterday with the Army Corps to actually get that underway, getting our match done and all that kind of thing. So, yes, that's still there, and we, we absolutely need that, but, but we were kind of— and I, you want to forced, put some new things on the fire. Here. Right, and, right. And, okay, and, and, and all these are, are significant. So okay. that was kind of where my point was the culling process. You start with a big list, you work it down, the city does their thing then, and then, uh, and then we do our thing, and that's where we are. All right, Jay, you're a pilot. I see on the list here is General Aviation Terminal Project. That's at the bottom of the list. What's that all about? New FBO, Fixed Base Operation, where they run the airport out of it it's um in an old little building now and they have a new design and you know we're changing some of the ways you get in and out of there and i you know i haven't i've seen the plans a long time ago but right. it's yeah and what happened was you know we, we did the t-hangers which kind of uh, we reprioritized and we did the t-hangers first and then what's happened is a lot of the money for this comes from a different funding source but uh, according to roy over at the airport we're at the point now where we may be some additional assistance to, mm -hmm. to get the full so uh, it'll be really flooding. it'll be it'll be first class kind of thing when yeah. it, it's like a terminal right where so if jets i mean there's a lot of a lot more private jets are coming in here executive jets and celebrity yeah. jets and things to our airport here in flagler county but when they kind of pull up it's like man eh, it's kind of hayseed with what we have right now and um so this will be classy when they pull up they'll go wow this flagler yeah. county has really become something Right. Yeah, and keep in mind the airport is, what is it, uh, the right term for it? You know, they basically fund themselves with rentals of hangars and fueling, and it's, it's an enterprise it's not, it doesn't It doesn't generally bleed the taxpayers for all this stuff, so certainly getting some yeah. money from the state helps get things moving. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's an enterprise fund, and it's self uh, self-filling. Very little money comes from the, the general fund. All right. So um, speaking of money, we will be back. We're going to take a break, come back, talk with Jay Gardner. It's about your money, and he's the one that appraises your home, the value, and will might want to pull out your your bill, your assessment, tax bill, whatever. When do those go out? They just they went out, right? And yeah, you always get your bill about November 1. Okay, so you might want to pull it out. We'll explain it, and we'll find out the questions that people have. And how do they uh, determine the value of your home, right? We got it. Coming back, Free for All Friday. Is your kitchen overdue for a redo? Bella Costa Cabinetry is the area's number one craftmate dealer. We are local, family-owned, and serving Flagler County and surrounding areas for over 15 years. We walk you through every step, from design to installation, so your finished project is 100% you. Whether a new home or remodel, we can do anything with craftmate cabinetry. While the kitchen is the heart of the home, cabinets are not just for the kitchen. Visit our website at bellacostacabinetry.com, come into our showroom, or give us a call, 437-1915. So you're ready to list it? We're ready to sell it. This is Sam Perkovich, broker owner of Parkside Realty Group. Stop by our office in Town Center or call us at 302-0300. Visit us online at parksiderealtygroup.net. 9.43, free for all Friday. Well, we learned that it's like throwing a hand grenade in the room when you use the word moratorium around here at a city council meeting. And um, it did. It went off. Mm -hmm. And uh, so hopefully um, everybody catches on with it. Well, I think good advice, what Jay was saying. It's about all just about grading. And every one of these homes is different, too. There's different situations with them. So it's not a one answer to, to do it all. So, yeah, the city, the city created a citizen advisory council, or they're about to. And so, you know, the issue is, I think, what I, what I hope came out of the meeting, you know, it's, I don't have a strong feeling necessarily one way or the other about it, but it seems to me that the city has taken some action to listen to these residents and they, that's what they all agreed about. And there was a, there's been extensive staff time put into trying to analyze going one by one to all these different properties that have, have raised the issue. And so, 
you know, the, I think that there's a lot more that can come about it, but, you know, I hope that the residents feel like they're being listened to more now and um, that they have a seat at the table better than they did before. Dave Sullivan. Yeah, I just, just from the county perspective, our land development code is a little bit different than the city of Palm Coast code. And we already have rules in there about when you build a property, you cannot let uh, additional water. You got to do the from the back to the front of the house. The, the top of the slab has to be, you know, a foot, foot below the crown of the, uh, of the road that's out in front oh, wow. of you. And, and, and the, the rules are a little bit different. We don't have all those 45,000 lots that ITT, you know, laid out originally. And so the, it's not as big a problem. But I think we're in pretty good shape on that on, in, the, uh, in, in the county. And we, I think our structure, and we're, we're redoing our land development code and all that, but we already have rules <clears throat> in place that, that, that just, maybe just, enforce that. Dave, the city has those rules, too. I know <laughs> it, it. They do, and it just whether or not they're being followed might be. I, I agree. Well, Dave's I saying agree. that the county is better than the city. No, you know, I'm so not he's, saying. Well, that. remember well, those. In this case, yes. Actually, <laughs> those lots that. were yeah. all those lots were all county at one time. Okay, <laughs> right, right. I mean, not that long ago. I, oh, I know. Yeah. I know. There's enough rules. But, so I it is the county. There are enough rules in effect. There are enough but, rules in effect. But we're a little bit different in the county. Very good. One thing you know, you said something about the number of homes being built mm -hmm. and it's you used exponential and things like that well the bottom line is what i was saying is is that back in like you know 04 05 06 there was a lot more houses being added to the tax roll to the tune where we were averaging around 4000 units right now we're in the 2000 and low right at 2000 2000 this year was 2200 new homes added so i'm not saying that's not a lot of houses but we were dealing with a lot more back in the 06 boom time as opposed to this one. Um, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, like you, I think you said, you know, someone bills next door to you, it's, you feel violated. Um, you know, and I've had it happen to me when I was, you know, my lot in Palm Coast. I, you know, I couldn't feel comfortable in my backyard for a while because there's a house next door. But mm -hmm. all the water, in theory, would be going to the front and the grading would you know which i guess we've kind of beat that to death but you know it's got to be done properly and if it's done wrong so it can be it's fixed, on somebody right? to be fixed that's so it right. can be fixed is the whole but, point right i mean it's not like you got to put a french drain in because there's nowhere for it to be graded to run to or those yeah. sort of things right it can be fixed with grading your opinion well, uh, being that i am a property appraiser i'm not going to be an engineer today but you know i mean i've lived in palm coast several places and i understood how it worked and of course i did have a dad who was an engineer and of course was itt and um you know these are not new problems They're, they existed back then but okay um, so let's anyway. talk about your job here and you are the property appraiser a lot of people think you're the tax collector which is not but you know or worse i work for the tax collector i've never have figured this out but. <laughs> so anyway. um all right so here so tell me about your office and how you go about it how do you like on brian's house how do you come up with a, a fair um, value of a individual home the good thing about florida is is that we revalue every year on january 1st whether you come to see us or not um, we're looking at all the properties that are selling we're doing our statistical modeling we're using a mass appraisal system so in brian's house it's you know uh 2,000 square feet of living area built How in did you know that? 1989 and... Uh, 2004. I'm just making things up. <laughs> and and it's got a 600 square foot garage and a screen porch on the back and a swimming pool. Whatever it's got, each of those things, it's roofs made out of shingle or he's got tile floors. Those things we know and we generate a number based on that. And it is statistically accurate. Our value is low. Most people, you know... They whisper if the values are going up, they don't want me to notice them. But, you know, homesteaders don't care what I do because the bottom line is, is that they're capped by that 3% save our homes cap. And so anyone's been there prior to 21, they didn't feel the pain of that increase. Which means and, just so, you know, if people don't are following this all and make sure I understand it too. So if my home goes up in value, mm -hmm. potentially 20% over a few years mm -hmm. by as far as the marketplace, like I could yeah. sell it for 20% yeah. more. That doesn't mean that my taxes, my home, my real estate or my property taxes are going yeah. up that much. They're only going up by a maximum of 3% each year. 
if you if you look at your value of your home, we call that our just value. And you're going to say it's a little bit low over what you think in a normal market. And then the next number is the assessment. And the assessment is actually less any cap. And the cap, 3% on a homestead, 10% on a non-homestead. And then, of course, you remove your exemptions, get to taxable, and that's what generates the painful thing that comes every November. But, you know, if, if you don't believe that it's right, you call our office. Now, I'm not the guy with the taxes. Mr. Sullivan has a millage rate. So does the city. So does the schools. And that's your taxes. I can lower your value and your taxes can go up because the millage rate goes up. It just, it's a, a game of numbers. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if you have a problem with your value, I'm your guy. So and, and I'll change your value if you're right before you can get back to your car, okay? I mean, in other words, <laughs> I, I don't have a dog in the fight. I need it to be accurate. And anyone that's dealt with our office knows that they're there to listen to you. Now, not for nothing, but, you know, 90-something percent of the time when you come in there with a stick wanting to beat me to death, when you hey, leave there. Zillow, Zillow says my house is worth. Well, normally they don't say that because Zillow might not be helpful to them. <laughs> Usually it's probably not. Yeah. And Zillow is basically, I mean, we're Zillow, except we're actually good at it. <laughs> we have boots on the ground and we're valuing based on facts. And look, if it's wrong, show me. All you got to do, you can use my website and figure it out, you know, I mean, and, and I'll fix it. Commissioner Sullivan. Yeah, I just want to make one point. We, we have a set of constitutional officers in this county. You know, they come uh, at, the, at the county level. And Jay, Jay is, is an institution. For about five years, I was on the Value Adjustment Board. Value Adjustment Boards is in place, and it's, it has a, a committee on it. And so if Jay had a lot of problems with people and the people weren't in agreement as to what he is doing on value, it would come to the Value Adjustment Board. And let me tell you, our Value Adjustment Board is, is very calm, and, and we work, almost everything is worked out. Very few items through Jay go where, where people have challenged the value that Jay has put on their homes. There's a magistrate. It's, it's a fairly complicated problem, but in other areas of this state, believe me, it, it is a major undertaking here because of the quality that we have in, in all our constitutional officers, but in this case, Jay's office, it's, it was a pleasure to be, to be head of that committee because we, we didn't have a lot of controversy other than a guy who thinks he's got a house and it's actually a, so, so in your office, the appraisals are done with algorithms and, and computers. Nobody comes out to your house and looks. No, um, by statute, we have to come see your house once every five years, although they've allowed us to use high res aerials at this point, but we, we do keep looking at it and look, if you pull a permit and add a swimming pool, it comes to me. I know about it. Um, (laughs) now, I mean, sometimes things get missed or something, but I mean, every time the city has a permit, they send it to me. Every time the county has a permit, they send it to me. And that's how we keep up with it. And we're always adjusting things, you know, depreciation and all of that. I mean, we're appraisers. And, you know, and, and you know, what Mr. Sullivan was alluding to is I deal with 87,000 things that could generate a petition to value adjustment board every year. And this was a busy year and I had, 16 out of 87,000. And that's because one tax rep filed on a bunch of houses. And of course, I would tell you that I didn't lose any of my petitions. You don't do adjustment board. You come see our office. If you're right, we change it. But if I'm going to board, it's because you're not right. I think I mean, it was, uh, and which is great. I mean, that's why yeah. nobody runs against you, I guess, right? Because you're an elected <laughs> office, right? I don't yes. think anybody wants the jobs. The <laughs> <laughs> How much does a... Uh, pool add to the value of your house well it depends on the pool it depends on the neighborhood you tell me i mean you know <laughs> but we do see a, a higher value associated with things like swimming pools you know uh, what used to be a 40 or fifty thousand dollar pool package is now over a hundred grand wow. literally and, are- and i'm like in shock because not for nothing but i wouldn't have built a pool behind my house if it cost that much mm. you know and so it's just the the market's changing and that will push prices up, the return on a pool. Some, some areas, they expect you to have a pool behind the house. Some areas, it's you lose money on it. You, know, you spend $100. Uh, I don't know what we're seeing right now, but it, you know, 30 40% less sometimes is the return. Depends on the neighborhood. So there's no mm-hmm. real 
direct answer to that but and buyers some don't want yeah. a pool and others got to have one so, yeah and yeah. and i mean let the buyer decide and you know mm-hmm. that that usually works out in the end but you know we're seeing a lot of um you know increases in value i was just looking at it and since i've been in office was oh five you know we've added 10 billion dollars to the tax roll okay now of course that huge increase doesn't translate to money for the county or the city because of homestead exemption, the 3% cap, you know, all the other exemptions we have that we've approved for ourselves in this state. And I mean, it's, um, well in 2008, from what I've gathered here, just Googling it was, um, Florida changed the uh, homestead exemption from 25,000 to 50,000. Yeah, we have, we have that additional exemption and you your home had to be worth 75,000 to get the full benefit of it and of course that is uh, something they're kicking around now is a whole yeah. nother with the cost exemption. of living increase or inflation that um, they're talking about raising it to the homestead well, exemption to 75 it, or 100 well yeah. there there are two things there's two bills and we don't know if or which will pass but um, and it has to come before us as voters but there is a a deal where they're going to tie the second 25 to a uh, CPI. But the other one, they're going to add another CPI, 20 consumer it. price index. Thank I apologize. You. That's fine. And then they also have another bill that would add another $25,000 homestead to the deal. But now I want you to think about this. Mr. Sullivan would, would be able to allude to this is that they're going to take, I'm going to round the number a little bit. $900 million away from all the the taxing authorities in Flagler County. And, and by doing that, oh boy, we're going to save some money on our tax bill. Well, guess what? The county is just like you. They have to pay for their, their bills. And what will happen is, is you'll take all this money off the table and they will have to raise their millage rate or they will have to cut your services. So I don't really understand this. I'm not for another 25000 because it's just three-card Monty with the money. I mean, you, yeah. you have to pay the bills. Commissioner right? Sullivan. Right. Well, when we were up in Tallahassee, this, uh, these are more policy issues. I, I went through the, the funding specifically for the county, but the Florida Association of Counties has two major concerns this year. One is the increased homestead property tax exemption that we're talked about, and that's worth a whole show. To go into that because it's yeah it's fairly detailed we have to see and there's three bills there's a combination bill like you know coming up and the other issue was term limits for county commissioners which is another issue uh, big issue that's coming coming up also and there's a whole there's a whole briefing on that it's fairly detailed there are a lot of places where there are uh, limits on the terms for county commissioners and then there are other places where there aren't so this is an attempt to force that. And if you're in a little tiny county where there's less than 20,000 people in the whole county, it's hard to find five people every, every few years to, to even run. So depending if you're a big city, big county, uh, it makes a difference. So those, those are uh, the two issues that you know, I'm sure the Association well, of Cities and all that are going to fight. The, um, the money thing, the, the homestead, keep in mind right now we have $24 billion dollars in, in value in our county, okay? And if you were to look at what the county gets to start looking at, you got to take $10 billion away from that before they start looking. In other words, it's down to like $14 billion because of Homestead, because of all these things. So you move, you give us something, will they have to raise the tax rate? I mean, it just... I don't understand what their thought process is other than someone's trying to say, look, I did this for you. And the taxpayers, you know, they need to understand that it's it can't be free money to you because they still have to pay the bills. Okay. And I mean, I just don't, I don't know. And just a little thought on what he said about term limits. Listen, if I don't like David Sullivan, I'll vote somebody else in. That gives me the choice. If I do like him and you make him leave, then you took my choice away from me. And, and I don't know if you care or not, but... If you had term limits on property appraiser, you wouldn't know me right now right. because this was a job for me. This is not just, you know, I mean, I am an appraiser and I had to give up my appraisal business to do this. Mm-hmm. And so it would have eliminated the property appraiser and possibly some of the other constitutionals if there was a term limit because you don't quit what you're doing for a living to do something else for what a quick four, you know, four or eight years. You know, my intent was to do this as my job. And yes, I. 
I expect to be paid for it and all that. It's how I pay my bills. Do you like I mean, what you do? I, if you looked up property appraiser for Florida in the dictionary, the picture next to it would be me. So I love what I do. And I'm, I'll be sad when I walk out the door for the last time because it's fun. I mean, I'll, I'm working longer than maybe I would have wanted to because I truly enjoy it. I love the people and them coming in there. I really like the mad people, but you know, I just because we can. Fix I, I say again, we have we have a great set of constitutional officers here. We're not. I don't think anybody's trying to, to limit the terms. But well, what about you? All right, you're, just, you're going to be. This is your turn. You're not terming out, but you're not running for re-election. Right. Will you be sad? When I, I you will walk finish out? eight years, and uh, you know I'm getting on in, in years, and uh, uh, this is my fourth career. So, but anyway, I wanted to point out on the term limits. It's not like it doesn't happen in Florida. 55% of the population of Florida is in a county where they have eight-year term limits on the, on the commissioners. Charter. Well, some charter, and there's a couple others. I'm, I'm looking at the, stat, the stats right now, and uh, some have 12-year limits, and there are about uh, three or four counties like that. But the, the non—and uh, it is mostly the charter counties, but it's, the, it's the, the higher percent of people who live in this state, their county commissioners have term limits. So it's— there, there are reasons both ways. What we don't want to do is take away prerogatives from, from the voters. And the smaller counties is really where uh, it, it becomes a, a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, um, we're out of time, but uh, some final words of wisdom. Jay Gardner, good to have you on. Glad you're well. I know you were going to be on with us. We, and then, uh, then you got sick, but we're I, I, glad you're back. I couldn't fake COVID a second time to get out of seeing <laughs> you, Dave. Anyway, final words uh, for Flagler County. Real quick, we will be at the home show this coming weekend, um, Saturday and Sunday, for people that don't want to miss work to file for homestead, driver's license, vehicle registration, your voting rights being moved, and if you're in a trust, bring a trust with you. We'll be there to help people out, answer questions, stop by and see us in the 100 gym, and uh, don't forget to look at your exemptions and your value, and call us if you have questions. All right, and they can meet you in person. Yes. All right, very good. All right. Dave Sullivan, just, Commissioner. Just quickly, this is a big election year we have coming up, presidential election year. I'm on the canvassing board again with uh, with Katie and uh, Judge Totten, and uh, we'll be running a good, fair election. But it's really important for our citizens to pay attention to what's going on this year because it's a big change year. Uh, and uh, so uh, that would be my point. Stay, okay. Pay attention. All right, very good. Know who you're voting for. We're going to do some uh, free-for-all voter um candidate forums right brian yeah looking forward to that so we'll do um, them here on the radio and uh, we'll get those organized so stay yeah. informed listen to the radio read the observer hope everyone has a great weekend that's all you need <laughs> all right all right everybody take care home show get out there and uh see what our local businesses are doing to help make your life better thanks toby tobin also thanks uh, anna maria long with the flagler home builders she uh, gave me some great information on the infill lots and um, i thought a fact was interesting right now in the past 90 days permits were issued for 294 single family residential homes so there's a lot more coming have a good weekend we'll be back for a decade and a half. WNZF, 1550 AM, 94.9 FM, and W235CW, Pinnell.